who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Oh, Tony, baby, you're a mess. Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. (laughs) Extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American Tornado and the real Princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Welcome back, everyone, to Trend Lightly. It's me, Tiffany Scott Maddox, and with me, of course, my glorious co-host, Molly McAleer. Hey, Molly. Oh, honey, glorious. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm feeling the love. I went to an International Women's Day dinner this week, last Mm -hmm. night. How was it? Oh my God, it was so aesthetic. I don't know if you've seen a picture of it. I'm going to send this to you. I don't know if we can put it on our Instagram or something, but I have a friend who's a like an art director and man alive, she goes really hard with shit like table decorations and she makes the kind of, she makes the kind of setups that you see on TikTok where you like, I had dinner with the girls and this is what I did. And I'm like, who the fuck's got time for that? Well, Tessie right. does. <laughs> And it's so pretty. There was grapefruits on the table. There was there was wine. It was it was really lovely. Oh, that is really pretty. Yeah, it was very aesthetic. It was good. And then we we talked about because it was International Women's Day. Was it this week? International women that we were inspired by or grateful for. So I was going to ask you the question: Who are you inspired by or grateful for? Britney Spears, Always. probably. <laughs> I don't know Michelle Obama, like. Oprah, you know, Oprah's like a mom to me. (laughs) I don't know. Lots of women. Historically, I don't know. Harriet Tubman fucked fucked things up. You know what I mean? She changed the game. What was your answer? 
I really brought the tone of the conversation down because people were like, Beyonce, Lizzo. And I was like, oh, I love those Dutch teenagers who lured Nazis into the woods (laughs) to murder them (laughs) during the Second World War. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's always... That's always a good call. I do like to do similar. I like to do similar things. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you also, I do fuck with that bitch who pretended she was in 9-11. <laughs> and wound up like joining a 9-11 survivors group. And like people would be telling their stories and she kind of would co-opt like or she'd do like, you know, trauma Olympics with them. And a lot of them were like, there's no one who went through 9-11 who had it worse than her. <laughs> like she'd sort of really like got, you know, gotten these people on board. And then uh, I think the New York Times found her out. But oh. yeah, so she's kind of inspiring, too. I love a good, you know, cosplay this time of year. I do, too. Yeah, I'm less disturbed by like people sort of working their ways. I mean, this woman was really fucked up. I want to just say that. But, you know, I like it when someone, like, convinces a family that they're a 12-year-old boy. (laughs) Or convinces a family. Like, I I always love that. Or, like, do you remember that little person that claimed she was abandoned by her family? And they were like, she's a Uh 32-year-old woman. Yeah, the inspiration for the movie Orphan, wasn't it? Possibly. I have no idea. I think it was. And like and she kept going into like the foster care system and getting adopted and then doing slightly deranged shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I would say like my choices are all generally unpopular. But <laughs> to me they rule. The Britney thing is good. I don't know if you saw I sent you a TikTok, which is a remix of Give Me More, but with Tati Westbrook saying sucking dick and cock over and over again. <laughs> no, I haven't Have seen, that, seen yet. that I was not on TikTok much this week. I don't know why. For some reason I'm in, I think I'm getting red pilled. And I've been watching a lot of YouTube shorts of like toxic, you know how I go through my phases with like to- the, like toxic men. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll like I'll watch some Ben Shapiro shorts or whatever, <laughs> and then and then I just get stuck there. But truthfully, the real brain disease that I have right now is Vanderpump Rules. It just has continued. I mean, you thought last week, well, you know, it was a lot. Uh, for everyone listening, we're not going to talk about Vanderpump Rules this week because on Friday I got to speak to this journalist, Christina Coca, who has been absolutely just the leading news person speaking about everything going on with Vanderpump Rules. And we talked for an hour and a half about all of the updates, the things that have come out since we did our episode last week. I'll link to that. It's on the Patreon. But it was, yeah, it's, Tiffany, I'm in a huge, I'm in a bad way about this whole thing. It's so (laughs) sad. Have you seen some of the, the other updates? No. It's bad, dude. Like, just keeps getting worse. I don't know. Oh, gross. And now I have to wait. We have to wait so fucking long for the next episode. My God. I'm definitely getting back into it. My friend Bryony is watching it for the first time. And and I was thinking, well, she messaged me and said, do you want to like, let me know when you stopped watching so that we can watch it in sync together and discuss? And I was like, that's really fun. I would love to do that. 
Yeah, so I'm you should definitely do that. I I keep thinking I want to watch the last couple seasons since I stopped watching religiously, but um, no, I don't, you know? Mm. I'm just more interested because, like, it involves four people. If it would involved a new one, a new person, no way would I care. No. Well, except to be, like, Tom's disappointing. I love Ariana. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, don't buy a house with anyone. Even if you're married, don't buy a house with anyone. Just do it yourself. Or, or live in an apartment. It's like the fi- the, their finances are a nightmare, you know? So it's so sad. Very sad shit. And undeserved, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I've got an update about Billy's cousin. Oh, is he okay? Yeah, he is apparently feeling brand new since he got a shout out on the podcast. And he keeps, <laughs> he keeps messaging. Or every time Billy speaks to him on the phone, he's like... Oh, I have to go. I'm hanging out with Ryan Reynolds because the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, I'm I'm in a helicopter with Joe Biden because <laughs> going viral I'm has changed screaming. his life. <laughs> I'm screaming. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is the dog face 420 guy who was, you know, skateboarding to Stevie Nicks and drinking cranberry juice. He is. <laughs> He is 2023's that. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. I can understand why he's pretty much everywhere. <laughs> but no, that's really, really funny. And by the way, can I just say how cute it is that Billy talks to his cousin that frequently? I know. Well, they grew up together and we actually coined a phrase, you know, when you have like a kind of shared language with someone that you're very close to. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we use now. <laughs> as a, a meaning of like someone you've known since childhood is like someone you've known since dicks out because it's like when you're when you're younger and like you're about the same age and you're like cousins or whatever and you're like forced to bath together or like run around like yeah. nude and it's like oh I've known this I've known this guy since dicks out <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking funny that's funny oh by the way I'm so pumped Billy's coming tomorrow Tomorrow, he will be here at lunchtime. Amazing. It's so exciting. Are you going to bring him a sandwich to the airport? No, he has to find his own way here. <laughs> oh, good. I love I love that. I love, by the way, you know, I, yeah, I don't pick people up at the airport. Figure it out. Totally. You're flying all the way out here. You have the money to fly all the way out here, and I'm supposed to pick you up at the airport? Like, dog, like. You got to take an Uber. You got to figure it out. And if like, <laughs> if you can't, I, I mean like people who won't like do a layover drive me fucking nuts because I'd take three layovers if I meant that I didn't have to go in through LAX, which is a hellhole. Mm. Yeah. He's flying into London, which is not, <laughs> Heathrow Airport is not particularly close to where I live in Bristol. It's actually kind of annoying. And Heathrow is like, in order to get out of Heathrow, you have to like, if you were taking the train, you would have to basically get a train from Heathrow into central London and then back out on the train to Bristol. Or like, I haven't driven a car in so long, in so many years that truthfully, I think I've forgotten how to drive. So it's like, and I don't have a car. So it would have been like a a minimum of like a five hour round trip drive to pick him up. So I was just like, you come here. Yeah, sleep on the plane. Yeah. And then take a two hour train ride. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's oh that's good. That's good. I'm excited for you to see him. And I'm excited to 
hopefully get to talk to him. Oh my God, yes. He's going to be a special guest on the trendies and whatever else. I mean, he's usually, last time he was here, he was just kind of, he would just sit in the living room while we were doing the pod, just quietly. That's so sweet. I just picture him sitting in silence with his hands folded in his lap. I don't know why (laughs) that that's what I'm imagining. (laughs) That's, I don't know, for some reason, that's the mental image that comes to mind. So should we get into the stores, the stories? Why not? It is why we're here after all, but yeah. Yeah, it's like 50%. Kind of. Yeah, it's mostly because we like chatting. So you put this in the dark. Cara Delevingne, she's been she's been on the sober, sober wagon. She sure has. And I'm surprised that she talked about this because, you know, like, this is something that celebrities typically keep quiet. And I think that about, and I think that's changed quite a bit, but... I guess maybe because it was so public, mm. too. She really didn't have much of a choice mm-hmm. when it came to, you know, you're back on the cover of Vogue. And you're doing a whole profile. What else? It would be strange if they didn't address it. Right. Yeah, it was. And it was a very, very public coming undone. And it was very it was upsetting. And it was quite disturbing, honestly. Yeah, it was quite disturbing. and. You know, I I feel like the way that a lot of people sort of bullied her about this was really upsetting. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, just, I don't know, those pictures were so sad because I was so clearly someone in crisis. Right. And, you know, rumors of her even just being a casual user of, you know, I think like Coke is kind of the typical go-to. Those rumors have been around for a really long time that that's what she was into. but. Yeah, I just, I really am happy for her. So she did this little sit-down interview with Vogue where she talks about sort of what led up to this, hmm, I don't know, uh, what do you, what would you call it? Change? Life change? Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, I guess there was some degree of an intervention there because my memory of that time is that we were seeing other people publicly kind of come out to bat for her in some way, like Azalea Banks friend of the show was one of no them friend. you know there were those paparazzi pictures of margot robbie leaving cara's house very upset there were the rumors that she'd basically she had she'd come back from burning man and got on jay-z's jet so it seemed like there was actually quite a support network around her that was trying to help this happen so for me it felt like there must have been quite a significant intervention yeah yeah, I'm proud of her. So, so this is a little clip of her just talking about that time leading up to this life change. Okay, here's the clip from Vogue. Last year was obviously, there was a lot happening in your life professionally and privately. Can you tell me a little bit about everything leading up to September? Uh, it was pretty back to back in terms of what I was doing work-wise. That year, I decided, you know, it's my 30th. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Crazy, in a fun way. You know, I went to Ibiza for three weeks, went to Burning Man, came back to go straight to work. And in that, um, you know, those pictures, these pictures were taken. Yeah. And and everything kind of, I was like, wow, okay. You know, this is bad. At that point, you know, there was a lot of people who were very worried, understandably so. I wasn't really worried though. You know, it didn't matter how many people around me were like, 
you okay? Like, this isn't good, you need help. That didn't matter. But that is the, the nature of the disease. That is what addiction is. Yikes. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's something about it with the 30 thing that always makes me feel sad. I know that, you know, particularly in the career that she's in, unfortunately, you know, expiration point, you know, that's like a, a word that's thrown around a lot for something like a model. Mm -hmm. And that's awful. But you also see it a lot with actresses. Like they kind of go crazy, especially the ones I know that weren't hadn't been discovered yet. Like turning 30 is scary for them. Um, Taylor Swift has talked about her fear around turning 30 because, you know, for pop stars, that's you know, I think she calls herself like an elderly pop star or something where a lot of people just notice their career like sort of really winding down around that age. And I just want to tell you guys, I mean, I'm not a model. I don't know if you know that, but there's nothing to be afraid of. Honestly, just take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I just don't. It's easy for me to say, but. Truly, my life has only gotten better. And that might sound hard to swallow or difficult to understand. But, you know, I really, I, I existed in that space of just in my mind of like, I thought 25 was really scary because I just was like, it's going to be over for me. Like, and then I'm officially like a real adult, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know why I felt that way in my head. Maybe it was me just having a keen awareness that, that, you know, that I didn't know what it was yet, but it's the frontal lobe coming in. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, you know, makes it just makes me sad to see people sort of freak out about age so much because I have never felt my age. I've always felt more youthful than my age. And I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, for me too, I think from 30 onwards is where I really got into a got into a groove. And it was a thing that was told to me time and time again throughout my 20s when I was freaking out as I was approaching the kind of 30 deadline. And a lot of the weight of expectation around me was stuff that was like completely societal, like external pressure rather than myself coming necessarily internally but I was thinking what does it mean to be 30 like what should I have done by this point or like where should I be or what should I what should I have in the bank or should I be looking a certain way and people kept telling me the 30s are the best like they're so the best they're the time in your life where you're usually making really decent money for the first time in your life like they're You've had enough experience of adulthood where it just it isn't it, it isn't so scary and unmanageable anymore. Like it, you're just kind of in a bit of a groove, and um, you just give less and less fucks with every passing year. And I was like, that can't be true. Like maybe that's true for you, but not me. I'm very special. <laughs> I couldn't possibly be this simple. Surely I'm far more complex than this. And it was yeah. totally true. I was like, it took me a little bit, but. I'm 35 now, but I'm actually, I'm going to think I'm going to start calling myself 33 because I don't want to count the COVID years, but, and I feel great. And, and it was all true. What everybody said, like things were way better 
and it just there's an ease that as you kind of settle into things a little bit more that comes with it but I'm not under the same kinds of pressure as someone who has like an intense like media lens and scrutiny thrown on me like the only scrutiny I have is people wondering like if I'm gonna have children anytime soon or or whatever else it might be there's a very real biological thing that happens and you do have a kind of a small window of opportunity which I think is fucked it's really fucked because by the time you're usually in a good enough headspace to be financially able to have a child or you might have done a lot of the mental work to have a child like and you're starting to feel really good about yourself like your window of opportunity is suddenly much smaller than it was 10 years ago which is the cruelty of it really but yeah did did you ever do that like teenage filter on tiktok yeah and it doesn't make me look like a teenager <laughs> yeah i don't look like me as a teen when i put that filter on but so many people would were, were putting it on and getting really emotional and i think part of the reason for that is like we we truly are just the same souls in a slightly different vessel and so there's a part of me that is always going to be probably feeling 15 and scared some of the time and then I realize I have to exist in the world as a 35 year old woman who's not allowed to present as 15 and scared <laughs> and when you're reminded of like the fact that you have aged it just makes you all the more acutely aware of your own mortality <laughs> and that is a hard pill to swallow uh yeah I mean I feel that I've I've gotten more scared of my mortality in ways that I'm more careful than I've ever been yeah. And I say that as I'm speaking almost in a monotone voice by my standards. <laughs> because I have fucking fibromyalgia and I'm exhausted all the time. You know, like I really could I really could use a couple more hours of sleep, frankly. But and I slept well last night. But yeah, it just you know, I I used to just think about all the different ways that I would just wear my body out and now I like I shudder to think of any of it and I just was making reckless decisions with dating mm -hmm. and all of this stuff do you have you noticed that ageism ageism has gotten worse somehow what do you mean I just feel like and it, it's probably because maybe I'm just exposed to younger people what you know by watching just TikToks or whatever but just the amount of like oh my God, that person's like 30 years old or like you're like pushing 40 or something. And it's yeah. like, or like you're, you know, even saying like, oh yeah, you're like pushing 25. And it's like, dog, like what? Like, I just <laughs> see it. A, I just see it a lot more. And I will, I'll be the first to admit, I was so ageist when I was younger. Yeah. Like so ageist. Like I thought people like, over like I would like laugh at people when they'd be like someone would say like oh they're 30 I'd be like oh my god like and I think it's because maybe I didn't think I would ever live that long if that makes sense mm -hmm. so but I'm also not the type of person who's like every every day you that you wake up is a day you should be there I don't feel that way either but I just have been I've just noticed that ageism seems to be more rampant than it was. And I say that as like the one of the OG ageists over here. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're just more exposed to it with the nature of TikTok and hearing songs, <laughs> songs, sounds that are like, for the older millennials on here or the older generation on TikTok, by which I mean people over 25, and you're like, 
cut to my soul. I know. Well, during Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. You know, there's also this thing, and I just want to remind people when it comes to success, like, yeah, sure, there's a lot of people who are famous at a young age, but I would say I hear just as many stories of people getting their first book published when they're 50 years old or, you know, just people who like, you know, they're first, you know, they spend all these years auditioning, but then all of a sudden, you know, by 40, they've like aged like a fine wine and like they just are that person who makes it big later in life. And there's just, yeah, I just want to remind people, especially anyone who's like working in working away at something that is feels exclusive, like maybe you're an outsider from that club that like, I, you know, yeah, I just know so many more stories of people who finally reach their life goal at a very, you know, middle age. Right. Like there's an idea of an overnight success, but it's usually just like so many years of hard work and grind and exposure and like and setbacks and then sort of almost doing a thing but not quite doing a thing and that's just like the nature of life and by the time you get to an age where you have enough like life experience and you've kind of weathered more things then you're in a better position to to do something meaningful I think I don't really I don't really know a lot of uh super insightful things that come out of an 18 year old's mouth (laughs) but yeah and you know what I was thinking about yesterday I was like my mom was 21 when she had me so at the age that I am now I'm like I remember being 14 and I'm like I'm the age my mom was when I was 14 uh-huh this makes yeah. me, it just freaks me out a little bit yeah but my mom was 21 and she had me too and I wouldn't recommend it no it is weird though to think of like I was ready to I think I was like about to leave for college or something. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, because I think my mom turned 40, like, right before I went to college. But I don't know if that's right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's right. I don't know. But yeah, like, you know, you guys are fine. Listen yeah, to you're me. fine. Don't worry about look it. At, look at, stop. Don't wind up in rehab because you... <laughs> turned 30 no. okay anyway so the oscars are tonight which is crazy because it's been one year since the thing we all know happened at the oscars last year <laughs> happened i like don't even want to talk about it oh anymore God, i know i can't it feels like it feels like a million years ago <laughs> yes well i hear that billy's cousin is presenting one of the awards tonight oh. so. <laughs> <laughs> Of course he is. And he's probably getting some sort of like a best newcomer award. (laughs) We invented a new category for him because everyone was just blown away. Absolutely. (laughs) But anyway, so do you remember like Oscar gift baskets? This used to be a thing. And I think they stopped kind of like it would always be something that they had on E where it'd be like, what's inside of this Mm -hmm. year's Oscar gift bag? And I know that they started taxing people for these gift cards or these gift bags. So, 
That was like also a thing. And also like gifting suites. Do you remember how big oh, that was? Yeah. Like you just go and you take a picture with a Nokia phone and like mm-hmm. they'd give it to you. So it's a headline here. This is from news.com.au. Bizarre <laughs> gift of Australian land in lavish Oscar uh, goodie bags. So this year's bag is supposedly worth $200,000. I would I don't think I'd want to pay $100,000 because I got some gifts I didn't even get to pick out. <laughs> yeah, very true. So this year, one of the gifts will be a chunk of rural Queensland, Australia. It says the idea has not gone down well with indigenous groups prompting threats of legal action. So it's, it goes on to say, this year nominees including Austin Butler, Kate Blanchett, Paul Mescal and Andrea Riseborough, Andrea Riseborough, who's I I want to ask you a little bit about that in a second. Will sit through three hours of awards in L.A. as the bosses revert form and include every category in the televised live show. So let me ex- see if I can explain what's happened. By the way, Molly McInerney is the executive producer of the Oscars, which is crazy because like I've known of her forever and I I know Molly and uh she started out as a writer. On Jimmy Kimmel. Love a mall supporting a mall. Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, she, let's see what's happening here with the, get, tell me what what the land is. Tell me about the land. Well, I tell you what, I do know I've got a very small piece of information about Indigenous land in Australia that I'll try not to butcher and murder. But a friend of mine is an Australian filmmaker and editor, and pre COVID, One of the things that she did was, I mean, she's got British citizenship now, but she has kind of two passports. So she was going to return to Australia because there was these huge pieces of land that were owned and and, and rightfully so by indigenous people. And and the land was threatened. And so she went to a a basically, I guess it was a kind of camp where it's like an activist camp where they teach you how to be a good activist and what she was going to do was essentially go and like bike lock her neck to a bulldozer to stop the yeah to stop them from bulldozing this land and uh rinsing it away from the indigenous people but uh, covid happened and so she had to fly home oh but it's a huge thing i mean the australian government treats indigenous people in australia terribly and i know that like most governments across the world treat their indigenous populations awfully shout out Canada, <laughs> shout out like uh, the USA, but fuck me, the Australians have done some horrific things to the Aboriginals. So giving away their land to celebrities is actually <laughs> one of the smaller things on the list, but it is still kind of fucked. I, 100%. I, I just, what would you even do with that? Like, I'd be like, thanks, I guess. Like, yeah. I mean, when they say a chunk of land, like, is it like buying a star for someone? Like, is it like, how big is this land they're all getting? Mm, I want to, okay, wait, this I want to read from the article because this is the most insane thing. And there's a little shout out to your country here. Meanwhile, British chef Elliot Grover revealed that he would be dishing up a calorie laden battered fish and chips followed by sherry trifle and custard. He said, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of unhappy personal trainers the next day. Luckily, for any weight-conscious stars, there's $62,000 of cosmetic treatments in their goodie bags, including liposuction and a facelift. 
They also get a 12,000 plus three night stay for eight people in a clifftop lighthouse in Italy and $60,000 visit to a 10 acre luxury estate in Ottawa, Canada. Ownership of one square meter of, of a piece of land in Queensland will also be theirs. So they also did this with a piece of land in Scotland. Oh. Last year. Oh. Question. What is a square meter? Oh, it's not very big. Do you know how big a meter is? No, that's not my math. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm holding my hands out uh, about <laughs> a meter. Okay. So it's, okay, I get you. Okay. Meter to feet. Uh, I, would, I would guess, but um, measurement is not my... So one meter is about 3.2 feet. So one meter is three foot by three foot by three foot by three foot. So tiny. Oh, that's not much. No, so I'm guessing that whatever this gift is, essentially they've like maybe bought a piece of land that's like protected land and then uh, there are companies that do this and like the land can essentially not be, like you can buy forestry in the UK and the thing about buying forestry is that you can't develop on it and you can't put up any structures on it. But the idea is that like you own it as a as a way of kind of becoming a guardian of it. And what I gather, the Australian government started giving back land in national parks and stuff over to Aboriginal like park rangers because they were like, well, you were protecting the biodiversity of this land for thousands of years before we got here and colonized it and fucking kicked you out and murdered you. And we've just been fucking it up. So we're going to hand the land over, but it's been quite a slow process. So I wonder if this is like a very tokenistic you know, a tree has been planted in your name kind of shit. Exactly, exactly. By the way, whatever they're charging for that forest or whatever in your country, it's not worth it because you guys don't even have bears. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally a ripoff, so don't buy it at all. I'm just not going to recommend it to you because you want to know that a bear can walk across your land. Yeah, if it's me, if it's yeah. me, I want to know that. Yeah, we have God. I don't know why I'm thinking of this. I guess maybe because I just have a dumb brain. But we used to have like community gardens when I was a kid, and thankfully, like they were right next to my house. And like, you know, every year my mom would go out and she'd plant some carrots and some stuff like that. And um, I don't know. It was like it was a dirt plot that was like five by five, and there was other people who had gardens too, but. <laughs> You know, I'd fuck with that. I'd like a little square of garden. That'd be cute. I've put um, a link in. I don't know if you've seen it, but one of my favorite BuzzFeed pieces of all time is pictures of celebrities posing with things at gifting suites. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Hilary Duff and a, and a bottle of soup. Miley Cyrus and a cordless phone. Big Sean and some Hot Pockets. There's a guy from Fallout Boy with some Altoids. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Selena Gomez with some Omega 3. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking funny, dude. <laughs> it's so good. Pete Wentz and a brat stall. Dolly Parton and some crest white strips. There's one of Lady Gaga on a snowmobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Dude, that was such a time. There was actually an episode of, I don't know if you're familiar with Hey Paula, the one season wonder Bravo series that followed Paula Abdul, Paula Abdul mm. at like the peak of people being like, is she drunk on mm-hmm. American Idol? And there was one time she went through a gifting suite and was just an absolute menace. Like it was, 
And it just was an absolute menace in there. And like, you know, they were kind of like, oh, we're saving that jacket for pink. And she's like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when you get to see, I do, I am intrigued by the cheapness of some celebrities. Right. Yeah, like, does Jason Derulo need to pose with a tweezer man tweezer? to get? I'm sure he can afford a, a, a tweezer. No, I mean, but... But, but a Roomba okay. or a snowmobile, a Jonas Brothers and a Roomba, okay, tell me more. By the way, I did not put this in the document, I'm going to add it, but can we talk about Avril Lavigne dating Tyga? <gasps> that is so weird. But also, it's when you so think about weird. it, kind of not weird because of the incestuous nature of that dating pool. So for anyone who doesn't get why this is so weird, outside of the fact that Avril Lavigne was literally engaged to someone that is, uh, regrettably, he's one of my disgusting celebrity crushes. Like, you know how (laughs) I'm deeply attracted to Post Malone and was, I literally experienced what I think a normal person would refer to as jealousy (laughs) when I found out he got married. I think I, I really did. I felt betrayed. And I've never met Post Malone, never seen him live, have no reason to think that, you know, I could be the Haley Bieber to as Justin. Okay. I had no idea, you know, I have no idea why I felt so entitled to falling in love with him and getting married to him. <laughs> but she was engaged to Maud's son, who I just always think seems like a happy guy. And I think that that's why, and, you know, he's someone that also a- appears unshowered most of the time he has like some pretty i don't know i mean they he probably did think them out but tattoos that seem like they have the the idea wasn't fully baked you know when they mm-hmm. went for it so yeah so this is the story about avril lavigne as she relates to tyga so when kylie was dating tyga as a minor <laughs> Also, her half-brother, Brody Jenner, was dating Avril Lavigne. Mm-hmm. If you're a Kardashians fan, you know that she walked in the fashion show for Avril's somewhat successful fashion line. I also want to just r- really quickly remind you that Avril Lavigne was happily married to the man from Nickelback yes. at one point, which is, she has some interesting taste in men. So Avril, so like all of these people... All these people have dated, and then we have to remember that Tyga has a child with Black China, who has a ch- another child with Rob Kardashian. Uh, it's just, you'd think there were six men in the world. <laughs> but isn't there a Tristan, there's a Tristan connection somewhere as well, isn't there? Um, I, I, it was a while ago when I saw the video where this very kindly Australian lady got a, a whiteboard and broke it all down for me. but. It has been a, a few days, so I've, it's all it's all gone from my head. But I remember there was some kind of like something to do with Tristan having a baby with someone that had dated somebody else, and then there was some stuff around like signings to Travis Barker's label also being involved in some kind oh, of yeah. tangled so, little web. Yeah, and Maude and Avril are both signed to Travis Barker's label. Oh uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So just want to say that that's kind of crazy to me. And, you know, all of these headlines on TMZ about this is like Maud's devastated over split from Avril Lavigne and blindsided by Tyga romance. Avril Lavigne and Tyga party in Paris after she ends engagement to Maud's Where did Maud's propose to Avril? 
Paris. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Avril Lavigne and Tyga seen hugging after dinner at Nobu. This was before she and Monson had broken it off. Now, Avril's side is saying that, like, Avril's saying that she and Maude had been on and off for a while. And, you know, this was this shouldn't have been such a big surprise to him. Meanwhile, Maude is like, we were never on and off. Like, this, I don't know, like, I went on tour, but we were never on and off. So... I mean, listen, I'm, I'm inclined to believe my boy, Maud. And Maud, I'm here for you, okay? If you need anything, I can, I, can, uh, tie, I can just, you know, tie up some strings in my personal life really quickly if you need a friend, okay? You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I, this is, yeah, this is just, it's kind of strange. So I watched um, also Aphrodite, my favorite pop culture psychic. He <laughs> covered this story this week. And he basically said that, like, Avril felt like Maud's son had, like, pussy energy. Those weren't his words. Oh. But she, she said that he's someone that, like, is very emotional. And, like, she would, you know, she'd be, like, he'd start crying and she'd just be like, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to have sex. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to... <laughs> Which is a vibe, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've, I'm very, I do enjoy a sensitive man or to, uh, as opposed to someone who's like, you know, sort of like emotionally starves you. Mm-hmm. Those are two ends of the spectrum. She apparently just likes a little bit more of a bad boy. You know, like the guy from Nickelback. Yeah, Chad Kroger, notorious bad boy. <laughs> notorious playboy. Just absolute <laughs> emotional nightmare of a man. Wild, so, polite front man. <laughs> Canadian Chad Kroger. <laughs> I, I listened to Avril and Chad on Howard Stern once, and they were weirdly in love. Hmm. You know what I mean? How long were they married for? But I think this is Avril's, like, this was to be her third marriage. Wasn't she married to Derek from Sam 41 for a while? I don't know if they were married, but God, what a couple. You know what I mean? Because. You know, they just were like the pop punk princess Mm -hmm. and pop punk prince for a while. So she's been, oh, she was married to Derek from 2006 to 2010. Nice. And then she was married to Chad Kroger from 2013 to 2015. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's also had, who's Jesse Colburn? She needs to stop dating fucking musicians. Oh, he's a... Jesse Colburn was her her ex-boyfriend that's notable besides Brody, is a Canadian guitarist who played guitar for Closet Monster. Ah, <laughs> yes. Until, uh, you know, classic Closet Monster. <laughs> Do you think that she just... I mean, listen, my disappointment with, with Derek from Sum 41 would be like... Dude, you're a flop, and I'm Avril Lavigne, and I have some really, I have some really major bangers. Her first album is fantastic. Like start to like b- top to bottom it is a fantastic album. Obviously, like the hits, I think people would like you know, people would be like, oh, really? Like Skater Boy is like your <laughs> Skater Boy's your jam. No, but she's like, there's some really great, like, you know, singer-songwriter type material there. And yeah, I don't know. Just want to say shout out to Avril Lavigne. 
that <laughs> there's a great gender neutral pronoun version of skater boy that i saw on tiktok which is they were a they they were a them can i make it any more obvious <laughs> and everyone was like yes please make it more obvious <laughs> no that's really funny yeah. and yeah i think respectful so i respect that but yeah i just think it's so interesting that this is how she chose to end things and i don't even want to you know who knows what's true you know i could also see mod son and bella thorne oh my god here's another one so mod son was dating bella thorne for years and who was who was the girl that flew <gasps> out on vacation and In fucked yes uh-huh the atlantis palm <gasps> yes so there's another connection there and bella thorne was do you you know how that singer pia mia keeps getting brought up uh in this whole selena haley drama because like she kind of she supported selena by like putting on rare beauty in, in a some tutorial or whatever mm -hmm. she was doing so pia mia was bella thorne's BFF. And that's how she got in with the... But then Bella kind of was like, I'm not fucking with the Kardashians anymore for one reason or another. So, uh, man, you know what? It is true. This is... I've always said this, but everyone in Los Angeles has had sex. Mm -hmm. Like, if you have not had... If you haven't... Like, if you've slept with someone, you have slept with many of your own friends and you might not even know it. It's gross. <laughs> it's always blown me away. This show is brought to you by Storyblocks. Whether you want to jazz up your TikToks and IG stories with a unique font, need beautiful stock footage to beef up a video presentation, or keeping people's attention during a YouTube video, Storyblocks is the answer to your needs. Storyblocks is a subscription service that provides an unlimited selection of quality, royalty-free content that will make your work exceptional. HD and 4K footage, music, sound effects, and templates that are all at the tip of your fingers. So if I needed an HD quality video of a woman eating a salad or background music that isn't like the ones that you hear over and over again on social media or YouTube, I'd simply type that into Storyblocks and it'll come right up. With monthly or annual plans, the prices on Storyblocks are predictable, meaning that none of that a la carte stuff that you run into on royalty-free sites is the case with Storyblocks. It's all same price. All of the content on Storyblocks has clear-cut licensing and coverage, meaning that there's no royalties or legal jargon to sift through. Enhance the quality of your editing in the easiest way possible in your favorite editing program with pre-made motion graphic templates. There's a Premiere Pro plugin to, uh, into Premiere Pro itself so you don't have to bounce between Premiere and the website. Let's start making more dynamic content with Storyblocks. Learn more about Storyblocks by going to storyblocks.com slash lightly or by clicking the link in our description. That's Storyblocks, S-T-O-R-Y-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash lightly. So, okay, let's get into this thing because I haven't seen this. The woman leaves hinge date after man refuses to pay $3 for a slice of cheese. <laughs> yes, the cheese boy. So this is an interesting story. Dating is hard. Of course, I, you know, the apps, the, t the, the tingers, the hingos, the bumbles, all of the, uh, all of the above. 
And one thing I think I'm definitely on the right side of the algorithm is like bad date talk. I saw this video by a person called Daphna who records this little video immediately after coming out of a date, which okay. she's left. And she seems deeply unhappy about the way that the date went. And essentially it's all over a slice of cheese, but I think maybe we just play it and let her explain in her own words. Oh yeah, I definitely, I want to, you know, it's International Women's Day. It was just not that long ago. So let's ha let her have a voice. Guys, I just get back from a hinge date. Why am I doing this to myself? So we scheduled to go to dinner. We are sitting at the restaurant. Seems very nice. Not a catfish. Things are going well. And the waitress comes over. She wants to take her order. And I said, okay, I'm gonna take the Bernzino. And he said, I'm gonna take the burger. And the waitress asked him, okay, how do you like your burger? He said, how he likes his burger. And do you want some cheese on your burger? And he asked, is this gonna be extra? And she says, yes, it's $3 extra. And he said, okay, then never mind." Over there and I'm like, what the actual fuck? I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. I'm gonna eat my Bernzino and see what happens. And he's like, oh my God, you have to pay extra for everything these days. And I'm like, yeah, it's New York City. So I got my Bernzino, he got his burger, we were eating. And once I was satisfied, I got up and I was like, I'm going to the restroom for a second. And I took my purse and I went to the waitress and I was like, hey, I just want to pay the bill. And I just paid the bill and walked out of the restaurant and I texted him. So I texted him, the check is taken care of. You should have gotten the cheese. And I blocked him. Um, okay. <laughs> What's your immediate reaction to that? Well, who goes to catch and orders a burger? <laughs> I love that that's what you picked up on. <laughs> well, there I mean like that was just I mean, listen. I'm going to be real. I don't know what the popular reaction to this is, but uh, you know, part of my language is kind of a bitch move. Like <laughs> It's probably it doesn't seem like a cheap restaurant. From everything I know, if it's catch, if catch fish is the same as, as it is in LA, I'm not sure. It's not, it sounds like he took her a place that, to her place that he probably couldn't really afford. And he, you know, she didn't, she, she wasn't limited on what she was allowed to order. It sounds like he, he might've just really liked her, but not like didn't super have the budget to take her there and was just trying to i guess impress her or something mm. i don't know but i think you know unless this unless this conversation about everything costs more these days went on for longer than she described i'm i'm kind of like horrified yeah i'm in the same camp and i think that's the kind of the tone of the comments has been very much in that vein, which is like, wow, you could have, you potentially blown uh, like a relationship with someone that could have been like really good, but over like $3 slice of cheese. And you know, what's really funny. I was thinking about this, like, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe he wasn't that like 
maybe it was like, it, it, like it, it isn't even as deep as like, you know, he couldn't afford it, but maybe it was like, uh, I could, you know, I could take or leave like cheese on a burger. Like I don't really mind either way. Is it coming with it? If in which case, yes, but like, I don't want it enough really to pay extra for it. So like, nah, I'm not going to have the cheese. Like, you know. That's it, what I thought too. I was like, well, it sounds like he was happy with just the burger, but if she was throwing it out there, at the same time, it also is not unusual for a burger. I mean, like when you order from the counter, like which is a burger place where you kind of like make your own burger. I, I, it's like one of my favorite things to sort of treat myself to. But dog, when I, especially if I order on Postmates, that shit's like thirty five dollars, mm-hmm. and because they start to. The things they consider premium are just not things that I would ever consider premium. So mm-hmm. it's just always a little like, uh, what? But yeah. yeah. And so, okay. So there are also like weird sums of money for me that like, you know, when you start to like round up or round down, well, you're like the difference between paying, let's say 22 versus 25 like 25 to me feels closer to 30 and 22 feels like 20 and so like you're not even doing a very specific calculation but I'm like what would I pay for that and if it's like 22 I'm like oh that's 20 that's fine if it's 25 I'm like I don't know if I'd pay 25 for that like it suddenly seems like a bigger number for some reason fives and sevens for me are big indicators that it's closer to a higher number than it is to a lower number does that make sense it makes complete sense because 22 is like, ah, oh, fuck it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely 25 feels like a deeper commitment. Yes. <laughs> I listen, like, I one thing that drives me a little nuts is, like, a lot of mornings I will order coffee. Like, especially if it's a day that I have, like, crazy work, I will order, like, a coffee and a salad from Earth Cafe or something so that I have a salad I know I can eat. They're really like good with diet restrictions and stuff like that. So that's always a big, you know, big win for me. And like, you know, dude, when they throw out there, what kind of milk do you want? And they're like, it's a dollar fifty for oat milk. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, I like a splash of milk, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I like a splash of milk. You're telling me. That literally like a a light, sp- I enjoy a light splash, okay? You're telling me a light splash of oat milk is a dollar fifty? Are you high? Ridiculous. Like, and you know, actually, here's how, here's how much I hate it. I don't just get mad at the restaurant. I actually am kind of like, well, you know, they're doing what they have to do. What I get mad at is the oat milk itself. <laughs> at those little oats. When I say, when I see that now, I'm just like, ugh, get away. Like, these oats are perverted. Like, get away from me. <laughs> so I know exactly what you mean. I t- Yeah, I, I start to, you know, the oat itself is my problem. But, okay, so that I'm glad to see that that's the response mm-hmm. because, but what a weird ass. I mean, like, sorry, like, I don't know. Like, this is just her attitude about it. It's such an extreme reaction, I think, like, to just... To, to leave somebody sat at a table and then text them and block them, like something sassy, it's like, you know, it's like if she really thought she ate. But like, I think it's really mean spirited. And look, for a first date in particular, we live in a very disposable dating culture. It's just the nature of the apps. And I, I wonder often, you know, if 
I mean, I don't think it is a, a necessarily healthy thing to do is to immediately dismiss somebody out of hand over something which feels really innocuous and actually like, you know, if this is a person that's being incredibly mean and you have very different ideas of like, you know, how you treat finances and that feels like something that's not going to match up, then by all means, like that might be a red flag for you. Absolutely. But this feels like very, very low on the scale. You know, if it's somebody if somebody was telling her like what not to order because it was too expensive, then I would, I would see that as a red flag. But for them personally making a decision, like, I don't really want the cheese that much. So I'm not going to pay $3 for a slice of cheese. Are you kidding? In this economy, that feels kind of outrageous. Then that's kind of fine. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, it would be different if he bitched about the cheese throughout the entirety of the meal. Like that's like, okay, red flag. But I, you know, listen, I, my money rule when it, with dating is that I don't mind when people are frugal. I myself am very frugal when I have to be like, when I go to Vegas, I'm always like, no, that's kind of like a, you know, that's kind of like a scam, you know, like I don't want to pay money for this, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll fucking sink, sink so much raw cash into the Buffalo machine that it's out of control. (laughs) But, um, cause one time I won money, you know what I mean? So now it has to be like my accountant's problem too. But like, uh, you know, like, uh, I remember my friend just looking at me and like, kind of like pausing and like stepping back for a minute when we went to the Taco Bell cantina and I said, oh, I'm going to download the Taco Bell app to see if we get anything for free. And he was like, what? And I was like, I don't know. I just think it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like these apps always give you free stuff. Like I might as well do that. And it was like sort of like, you know, it was sort of it was appreciated. I would say that that my mind works that way. But so I I don't mind a little bit of frugality because I can also really blow it out. You know what I mean? I also am comfortable spending way too much fucking money sometimes by most people's standards. Yeah. Because I think certain experiences are worth it. I agree. But yeah, I mean, his cheese experience, again, as long as he was normal about it. (laughs) And and I think like leaving him like that is really, I mean, she showed him who he, she showed him who she is. Mm -hmm. And it, this does, I'm sorry, this feels like rich girl behavior to me. Yeah. And like being like, you should have gotten the cheese. Like, I would just be so embarrassed. I know. Like, whatever happened to just like basic human decency and politeness? Like, if she said that the date was going well and that they were getting on really well, like she said, oh, he's not a catfish. So it's like, oh, so she was obviously like attracted to him in some capacity. So if it really rocked you that much, but you still were having a nice enough time, I don't understand why you wouldn't be polite and kind to someone and just say, look, you know, I'm not really feeling the vibe, but thank you so much. It was great to meet you. See you later. Instead of making a kind of really snarky, horrible TikTok in which this poor man has basically been called like cheap. Yeah, cheap and like, I don't even, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it feels like an even greater commentary than that to me. I don't really know you know where I land what the word I want to land on is but it's more than cheap it's like I don't know I just listen I'll be honest with you and I think that this would be I would be you know this isn't flattering but I would be remiss to to like you know not mention this I think it'd be kind of an asshole move for me to not be honest about this but in my younger years I pulled some fucking asshole moves 
on dates. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of like look back and, you know, I certainly don't think that that person would have been my husband if I had just acted nicer. But I've dated some guys where it's like, I just could have treated them better. And I just didn't. And, you know, I didn't appreciate their humanity. So I just, you know, that's that's one thing that I, I will just say is like, you know, dating doesn't have to be so rough. And I hope she learns a lesson from this. But who knows? So I'm going to play his response that you linked here. Thank you, Tiffany, for being my eyes and ears on TikTok this week. <laughs> my pleasure. And she says, yes, it's $3 extra. And he said, okay, then never mind. To be fair, I had the intention of paying $21 for this burger. So adding $3 for cheese was not fucking worth it. But thank you for paying for dinner. Bye-bye. Ta-ta. I'm so, I, I knew that it was going to be not what I wanted when he... When I saw it was a 15 second video, mm -hmm. but I do appreciate in based off of his attitude here that, you know, he's it's the brevity makes sense. First of all, he's eating the burger while he's walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, you know, the burger wasn't cheap, but I like how did he find her TikTok already? Did they were they maybe following each other on TikTok? Because that guys, that's fucking mental. Yeah. To be following someone on TikTok right when you start. And maybe they met. No, they met on Hinge, right? Right. Maybe they, but maybe they met like and immediately gave each other their TikToks, which I'm so sorry is so fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even, I tell people, I ask people politely to not Google me before we go out. Like, and I know that I probably shouldn't even mention it, but people are just so, people just have all these like, fake boundaries you know what i mean like it's just like this thing where it's like I, I just sorry i just don't i don't like feeling snooped on no she's actually done a follow-up should we watch it oh yeah where she's talking about the the comments i haven't seen this yet so let's let's watch this together for the very first time the other thing is like she's she's had a lot of intense vitriol in the comments that doesn't that doesn't feel very nice like it's such a disproportionate response. Like people are up in each other's business for like, for no reason. It's like, like it, don't like it, like downvote something with a thumb and then move on. Yeah. Okay. So let's check out the follow-up. Okay. Do you think, I don't know that I'm crazy? I'm crazy, but you are taking it to a different level. You really need to take it easy. Some people going through all of my videos, commenting, that I'm ugly, that I'm a four, that I'm a two, that I don't deserve love, I should die alone, I should delete myself, I should kill myself. That's not okay in any way. Why are you taking this stupid video so seriously? I'm having a laugh about it. The guy is having a laugh about it. We're talking still, and we're gonna go on a second date. Like he. He's, he's he laughed about it. He's a psycho like me, and we're gonna have fun. It's gonna be okay. And you're going laughing about my TV. Yeah, I know that I'm broke. I'm a fucking student. I'm an unpaid intern. I'm broke. My rent is half of my paycheck. I'm literally, I'm broke. And yeah, I have a huge credit debt. And that's yeah. And I'm fun about it. I'm broke, and it's gonna be okay. And I make really bad financial decisions. But when I go out on a date or to a restaurant with a friend, I'm not going to bitch about money. I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to deal 
with the money later. I'm not gonna be like, oh, that's expensive. When you go into a wine bar and they sell a glass of wine for $15, are you gonna bitch and be like, uh, yeah, I can buy a whole bottle of wine for $15. When you go to a restaurant, you pay extra. You're not gonna pay like you pay in a supermarket. All of you guys going through all of my videos, all of my Instagram photos, commenting me these mean comments, I hope that it makes you happy and I hope you're gonna find something else to do today. You know what I just realized? Wow. And maybe this wasn't, maybe I was just so distracted by the noise in the background in her first video. She is not American. No. And let's just say that like, you know, in America anyway, it used to be really tacky to talk about money, but I think that's loosened up a lot as so many of us have just dealt with financial problems since, you know, 2008, you mm -hmm. know, like it just like that collapse of our economy was really hard for people and we're about to enter a new one and there was a lot of money talk during COVID and there was, you know, so I mean, like, you know, even that conversation we had about like, you know, is is $22 like way less than 25. I just realized that wherever she is from, I don't know and I wouldn't want to venture a guess. It could be incredibly taboo to talk about money. Mm -hmm. And so that could be also what felt like a turnoff to her. Like, it right. maybe culturally for her, it was it's just a turnoff to even mention. Like, my Italian friends that I met in Japan, like, I think one of the things I said to them was like, oh, I was like, you know, we were at some dumpling place. And I said like, oh, these, you know, these dumplings are kind of expensive for the taste of them. And like, Adriano was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, but his wife looked nervous. And I think he even said, like, it's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay. Because like, Americans just talk about money. And I think that she was like nervous that we were talking about money. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we became best friends. You know what I mean? So it's fine. But like, it was, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where I kind of forget sometimes that it's inappropriate to talk about money in certain cultures. Right. And there are some cultures and some pockets of cultures that there are like a, a cornerstone is like, you know, huge displays of wealth, like regardless of regardless of your actual like economic standing. I'm thinking about like the traveler community in particular and how they do weddings and funerals and celebrations and like how they kind of stunt pretty hard for those things and it is entirely kind of a status thing whereas like if we think about how i don't know there's a there's a generation of like uber wealthy people for you know for whom labels are not really built for and i'm just thinking about that video of our friend jeremy strong talking about the sunglasses that he had custom made for kendall roy which are the kind of the jacques marie Marat, jacques marie marge sunglasses that are about $1,000 a pair that he had custom made for him that is like, you know, it's not a brand on everyone's lips. It's not like the accessible luxury of something like a Gucci. It's like there's another upper echelon or Charles Gross talks about this really well. I was really just well. going to say, yeah. I was like, <laughs> speaking of our friends, Charles Gross yeah. is, always talks about quiet luxury, how there's some brands that you would only really know. It was like one thing he was talking about was like a fucking turtleneck or something. Mm -hmm. And he says the only people who will clock this turtleneck also have money. Right, right. It's why Anna Delvey was so actually brilliant at scamming is because she very much nailed that 
like off-duty rich girl look that wasn't about gratuitous displays of wealth. It was more this kind of quieter, like you have to be in the know if you know if you know. And so yeah, culturally, I think like wealth is displayed in very different ways. So that's another factor. I feel really bad for her, but I tell you what, I'm actually kind of excited that she's going to go on a second date. This could be the making of them having like a fun shared experience like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was intrigued when she said he's psycho like me. Because I'm like, oh, that sounds very young. Like, you know, when you're young, you like it when a guy is mean to you or something. Uh Like, uh it's kind of like, it kind of feels like that. Which, you know, listen, if they they wind wind up getting together, I don't see it lasting more than a year. I'll say that. But yeah, I'm very intrigued by the fact that they went, uh, that they're going on a second date. I'm very intrigued by that. Because- I'm going to keep an eye on it. To me, that's insane. Mm -hmm. So- this piece of news is not so fun. This is really scary. And I do want to say that one of the things that I think Deuce nailed in that terrible turf piece she wrote was I do think that, you know, and again, I want to say the trans issue is the issue that certain people have with trans people. It's not really an issue at all. It's just something that happens, right? It's one of the mm-hmm. many, many possible things that is biologically possible with human beings, right? Like, I do think that this trans issue is going to be the biggest issue in the next election. And how miserable is that for trans people to have their entire existence debated in a public forum just like over and over again like that? My, my heart kind of sinks. Yeah, the fact that it even is going on today is like just so this is, you know, the obsession now is also with drag queens, which is just so fucking (laughs) bizarre, too, because like what is more joyous than drag queens? So creative, so inventive, just beyond. So this is a tweet from Nathan Luda, AKTN. It says. Texas just introduced a bill that will create a bounty that will create bounty hunters for drag queens and trans people. They will pay an individual $5,000 to go find and press charges against drag queens and trans people who perform in public spaces. The wording of this bill really only specifies that if you are quote dressed in clothing or otherwise exhibiting a gender that differs from the gender recorded at birth and do something that could be quote offensive by community standards of decency then any person that sees you can press charges against you and receive at least $5,000 and and would not be responsible for any legal fees or court fees. This will effectively make being transgender illegal. This is step one in the genocide handbook. So, first of all, what about the butch lesbians? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What about the studs? I mean, people have no problem with, you know, they they definitely have a problem with gay people, pardon my language. but. This does not seem to include that, and they would. I don't know. I mean, one one content uh, comment I saw about this when it was this I originally saw on Reddit was just some guy being like, "Listen, I've had titties since I was a kid." He's like, "I still got." He's like, "I still like. I just have like man boobs," and he's like, "This would this like technically extend to me?" And it's like, who fucking knows, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, this just seems so 
I mean, this is horrifying. Yeah. What's insane as well is like, I saw a couple of threads this week about how where essentially whilst there's been a lot of progress in trans visibility, like there's also this kind of strange regression that's happened. And I can only really look through the lens of the UK because this is where I am. This is like my lived experience. But we had like a a trans woman win like Big Brother, like season five, many, many years ago. And it was like, I don't recall there being like such, uh, th- there wasn't really anything. Like there were a few like horrible, nasty, you know, puns in the Sun newspaper about her. And then again, we had another trans winner, a trans man a few years later. And there wasn't this kind of like outpouring of like, channel four is virtue signaling by putting this like trans person. Like, no, it was like totally seen as, you know, just another part of things. Like some of our biggest like British entertainers are drag queens, like Lily Savage was like a big British drag queen. We had the drag queen from Australia, uh, Dame Edna. And these are all people that like our parents and, and like grandparents grew up seeing in primetime television, sort of like representation of drag and trans yeah. like representation and it was never it was never this kind of for, there wasn't any ferocity around the issue and i like i think about that and i'm like i wonder why that was oh and coronation street your favorite soap oh, <laughs> <Coronation> street, right <laughs> had a big storyline which was about a trans woman that was you know what was it like a much beloved character i mean it was problematic you know the trans woman was played by a cis woman but it was, this was many, many years ago. And it was like, even that just felt like, you know, her story was treated with like such compassion. And for the time in particular, like there was a, a degree of visibility that we hadn't seen so present in like a mainstream way before. And so it, it kind of blows my mind that like, it really does feel like we're just going backwards. And it's so weird to me because I'm like, what the fuck? Like, so... I mean, obviously there was a lot of people who had a problem with Caitlyn Jenner, and I don't want to act like that was not the case. However, Caitlyn Jenner was so fucking celebrated. Mm -hmm. Like, she received a Woman of the Year award or something. Like, it it was, it just was like, you know, I mean, and and by the way, Caitlyn Jenner's horrible. You oh, know, I know. Like, I'm proud to say I hate Caitlyn Jenner because she's a cunt, not because she's trans. <laughs> that's exactly right. And so, and and did a vehicular manslaughter. Yeah, she killed someone. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was an accident, but yeah. still, I mean, but that tends to be the case with vehicular manslaughter. But you know, I just, I just, it's it's really crazy how people are. It just has got, they've gotten so emboldened and it's almost like, it feels like they almost, a lot of these people like didn't know that trans people existed before recently. Like Mm. there was, so there's a video that went viral this week of a lovely trans woman eating a salad at Cheesecake Factory with her dog. Minding her business. Minding her fucking business with the cutest little dog. And this woman an older woman, she's 70 years old, she claims, just starts being like, just so you know, I'm I'm not okay with you. And she's like, well, okay. You know, and like, just, you know, these are the things that you, you just, you don't want to fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just don't want to, you don't want to fight. And she's, you know, starts threatening to beat this woman up. She 
says to her that she's a 70-year-old. She says, I'm a, I'm a T-E-R-F, a TERF. And she totally doesn't know what the acronym no. means. She <laughs> just gets radical feminist or whatever. But like the E is like- just- Eccentric, I think she says. I'm a trans-eccentric radical feminist. It's like, well, that's a word for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I guess, you know? Yeah. She even says, and this is something that I am- I'm bummed to say this because I really love Megan Phelps Roper and I consider her a friend, but she did this podcast that I believe is supposed to show two sides of the issue. And I listened to the first episode. I am going to listen to the whole thing because I just, I love Megan and I communicated with her directly when she announced that she would, you know, she was doing this and just said like, hey, I can't wait to listen to your podcast. I do want to say like, you know, I'm very worried about Mm. trans people right now. And, you know, I think it's interesting that you were willing to go to the source and do this, you know, really long interview with J.K. Rowling. I said, but I, I just really hope that this is more of a service to trans people than it is a prop up for turfs and she was like you she's like you know i mean and megan's had just like this you know she grew up in the westboro baptist church you may remember her from louis throws weird weekends where she's like you know looks louis in the face she's like um yeah you're going to hell louis like is she Mm -hmm. she you know very much believed that and then she wound up meeting this man named fletcher who is someone that I knew from my days as at Defamer. He's long followed me online and that's how Megan wound up following me. And then I think she maybe read something on my blog and I was quoted in her book. So it's like, I was very like, damn, I can't believe in your undoing process. You somehow were reading malls.tumblr.com. Like that's <laughs> fucking wild. You know what I mean? But, you know, she says this one thing too. So that Megan's podcast is called The Witch Hunt of J.K. Rowling. And, and I'm calm. The reason why I'm confident that this podcast doesn't mean what, you know, doesn't mean quite literally that she, because just Megan's done so much work. And I don't think the people that she works with would have her do something. Like, I don't think they'd set her up for this. So, you know, the woman says something and everyone was like, why would she say that? That's crazy. She says to the trans woman, I'm not a witch. Mm. And I was like, oh. And then it's so interesting because a writer for The Hill, she was like, I was going through quote tweets as I always do. And she was like, this has to be staged. Like, there's how I just found out what TERF stands for last week. How does this supposed 70 year old woman know what that means? And I just wrote back to her, I was like, she probably is like, she probably is obsessed with trans people the way that all people who hate trans people are obsessed with trans people. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, has, has bothered to, I don't know, maybe her son's printing out articles or something for her. Who knows? Maybe this is her first foray into listening to pods. You know, it's like, this is the TERF's version of cereal. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I just, there was also a moment where she does something that I just, I don't know. I just took such exception to this because. I don't know. I think this is unfair to POCs that are actually experiencing discrimination. She says that she's going to tell everyone that this trans woman is racist. 
And I'm like, girly, I don't even think she knew you were there until you started. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why would this be racism? Like, that's so cheap and like just, you know, I don't know. I think it just like undermines like other people who are, you know, actually experiencing a situation that's racist and they speak out about it. Then it's like, you know, I just think thankfully, I think most people who like align with the right side of history when it comes to trans people no, like aren't buying that but mm -hmm. i just think it's just so it's so fucking crazy dude we hate to see marginalized people try and dunk on other marginalized people <laughs> it's like not it's not an ideal situation that's but, true funnily enough i'd seen a tiktok that was talking about that podcast the the megan phelps podcast and what they were saying and it was and it was said with a lot of like compassion but it was like whilst this, uh, this TikToker was saying that they had a huge amount of respect for what Megan's done, that she will always be approaching these conversations from the, from the perspective of someone who was once the oppressor. And so like, these conversations are always gonna somewhat be framed through that lens, even though all of the work that she does is about sort of opening conversations up and, and trying to understand like what drives this kind of this visceral hate that radicalizes people. Megan's only ever been on the side of the oppressor. And so she can only really speak from that experience. And so that like with the best of intentions that giving a platform to someone like JK Rowling and trying to understand them, she's coming at that from her own lived experience as someone who, you know, has done a lot of damage herself and therein kind of lies the problem. And I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, like most people who, you know, were sort of raised in a cult environment, she has a, I don't know, I would say a borderline delightful level of sort of naivete and how she approaches the world. Yeah. She's yeah. always coming from a questioning place where she's just like, you know, she just is always excited to ask questions mm -hmm. and excited to learn and yeah it's just it's you know I'm interested I mean I I really I you couldn't bring me to say a bad word about Megan but I just I'm yeah I don't know I have to listen to the podcast but yeah I think it's also a very potent perspective though like as in she's someone who's been through she's she's someone who sat at either side of the looking glass and I think that like what she does bring is that is the understanding and the psychology of, of what it means to be filled with with all of that kind of like dogma and and kind of be able to break free from it so I think that like I, I don't think it's an unfair observation that like that that maybe she would be viewing things or she would be bringing her own experience from only one particular side but I also think that side is incredibly valuable because like it is entirely possible to like de-radicalize people. And I think we have to understand how to do that better because hatred isn't gonna, it isn't just gonna magically dissipate and it's not gonna go away through just shaming people until the, until it stops. Like really truly people are gonna double down on really hateful beliefs. And so like, there has to be another way to, to find our way through this so that we can live in a more sort of like understanding, compassionate, empathetic world again. Not that we ever did, <laughs> but we can but dream of a utopia where that's possible. Pointing the finger and shaming someone very clearly doesn't work because like, look at JK Rowling in particular, she's just doubled and tripled down. 
and become if anything more radicalized so I'm like with someone like a platform like that are they unreachable or is there a possibility that like in five to ten years time JK Rowling could be looking back and going wow I really did some fucking damage to trans people I'm gonna start like I'm gonna start the healing process and putting it back together I don't know if that is possible maybe she will never be like that but yeah she's old right she's like in her 60s I don't know yeah it's very rare you see someone get more woke with age yeah very true but I believe in the ability of people to be able to change though like I strongly believe in that and I think oh 100% there has to be room for that like we have to allow space for that and we still have to hold people accountable for any sort of damage that they've done but whatever we're doing now isn't working very clearly because the divide is getting bigger and the hate is getting stronger and people are ultimately suffering so like we need to find another way (laughs) we sure do you know what I mean? We sure we sure do because I just yeah, I just I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken by it, honestly. Yeah, like I, trans people need to be able to just eat a salad in peace is the bare minimum. <laughs> like that's the bare minimum. Yeah. Well, shout out to all of our trans friends. We love you. Love you most. Yeah. So this I am so horny for you to tell me about this story <laughs> actually that is so entirely oh. the wrong word to use and i'm gonna have to take that back in- instantly <laughs> but you put in the document a teen vogue article that i'm gonna read in full as soon as we're done and i actually am gonna read it versus <laughs> whenever i'm like i'm gonna watch this later pathological liar so it's it says The headline is Influencer Parents and the Kids Who Had Their Childhood Made Into Content. So I'm tell me, tell me everything. So this is a really interesting article that came out a couple of days ago. And it has all of the, it has quotes and sort of uh, nods towards people that we know from the space of kind of like child protection. And, you know, the conversation of being an influencer child growing up in the public eye without any sort of consent has been a hot button topic for a while now. And I think this is quite an exciting time because I think (laughs) that in the next few years, these young people who as children were essentially exploited for money money and views are gonna come of age. And I think we're gonna see a lot more young people come out and talk about their experiences of being, you know, part of a family vlog or part of a, you know, whatever it is that their parents are using to make money off them. So this piece came out and what's fascinating for me is that the the interviewer spoke to somebody and they anonymized them and gave them the name Claire. But this is a person that has quite a big or their family has quite a big following on YouTube. And we don't know exactly who this is, but they have kind of expressed that in the next couple of years, they will probably come out uh, and speak about their experiences in, in a more transparent way when they're able to. So they're not someone who's currently of you know, a legal age to be able to do that. But there are a few nuggets that I'm going to read to you. Can I ask you really quickly before, do you think that this could be the same person who was did that Reddit confession saying my family is vloggers, she's 17 and doesn't live at home anymore because she's disappointed about it? But do you think this could be that person? I don't think so. I think that might be someone else, but I think there might be a lot of people waiting in the wings and saying stuff that will, that will be happening over the next few years. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. 
Okay, so these are the, the these are probably the the most compelling paragraphs. Search Claire's name online and this is some of what you'll find. Photos of her as a child, merchandise with her face on it available for sale, and a YouTube channel with millions of subscribers and hundreds of videos featuring Claire and members of her family. In the videos, Claire grows from a toddler to a teenager. On Instagram, fans comment that they miss videos from the old days. In public, people sometimes recognize her and ask for photos. Altogether, the family's YouTube channel has over a billion views. But if it were up to Claire, none of these videos would, would exist. Mm. Claire, whose name has been changed to protect her privacy, has never known a life that doesn't include a camera being pointed in her direction. The first time she went viral, she was a toddler. When the family's channel started to rake in the views, Claire says that both of her parents left their jobs because the revenue from YouTube channel was enough to support the family and land them a nicer house and a new car. Quote, that's not fair that I have to support everyone, she said. I try not to be resentful, but I kind of am, end quote. Once she told her dad that she didn't want to do YouTube videos anymore and he told her that they would have to move out of their house and her parents would have to go back to work, leaving no money for, quote, nice things. When the family's together, the YouTube channel is what they talk about. Claire says her father has told her that he may be her father, but he's also her boss. It's a lot of pressure, she said. When Claire turns 18, she can move out on her own. She's considering going no contact with her parents. Once she doesn't live with them anymore, she plans to speak out publicly about being the star of a YouTube channel. She'll even use her real name. Claire wants people to know that her childhood was overshadowed by social media stardom that she didn't choose. And she wants her parents to know, quote, nothing they do now is going to take back the years of work I had to put in. Yeah. It's interesting. This next paragraph mentions that, you know, certain states are proposing bills that will essentially act as like a, a Coogan account mm -hmm. law where, you know, money has to be set aside because these kids are working. Yeah. You know, they have to falsify their reactions to things mm -hmm. like I've watched some channels where it's really like it's not e they're not even trying to hide that their kids have been trained on how to react. Right. And, you know, whether it be like bringing out a birthday cake or opening some, you know, mild present or whatever. These kids are like, ooh, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like, you know, they just are, it's just so over the top. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also all their traumas being exposed. That's like, you know, there was a real rash of content for a while where, and we've seen this with, you know, a couple families in particular where they take their children's medical battles and publicize them. There was one family that I discovered one time and I just literally binged their channel like all in one day. I was like, this was when my, I was really incredibly depressed and was like, this was the beginning of me trying to remove myself from any sort of like, you know, just like I was just trying to take attention off of myself, you know, mm -hmm. and I just felt like, okay, I think I'll just sit inside and watch YouTube for an entire year. Mm -hmm. And they're called the Sly Fox family. And like, it would be like, child goes to hospital for bee sting. And like the, the thumbnail would make you think the child fucking died. You know what I mean? And it'd be this like, that was a really big popular thing in the YouTube world for a while it was like specifically exploiting illness and harm right but 
Which, I guess, maybe for a kid, that is drama. You know what I mean? But they're a target audience anyway. But, you know, regarding the law, so the LeBrant family, which I've brought up a few times on this podcast, they just made the move to Tennessee. And one of the things that one of the only really snark Reddit I frequent one of the things that they it's theorized that they moved there was because those child labor labor laws are not going to get passed in Tennessee as soon as they get passed in in California. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my question: of, child labor laws, right? Like, if you have a child on set, you can only film them for a certain amount of time, and then you get into big shit if you don't follow that by the letter of the law. You have like chaperones on set, whatever. But when you're in the home. And your dad's putting a camera in your face when you're at your most vulnerable. There's no one there to draw a line or a boundary. No, and it's it's obvious with some people. Like I've always one of the things I've always said about like Shane Dawson's documentaries that I think is like smart of him, but also it's like what makes him suffer a little bit is that you can tell that he's very judicious about how he shoots, like. I really think that he's similar to me where I'm like, the less the less footage, the better, because sometimes you just film. But some of these families, it's like they're walking around with the camera on all fucking day and it couldn't be more obvious. And even though it's cut down to like a 10 minute video, because that's when you can put multiple ads in. Even when it's like, you know, it's just it's obvious that from dusk till dawn, you or dawn till dusk, you might at any given point have a camera shoved in your face. One of the things that always drives me nuts when I watch these vlogs, which I watch definitely for similar reasons as to why I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend some time with Jordan Peterson today. It's like they wake the kids up with the camera on. And imagine just like the sort of like, I say this as someone whose sleep is like so, I, I breathe every day. Because I get to have my sleep at night. It's the only thing that is consistent and feels sane in my life. And if someone, especially when I was a kid and I was really bad to wake up, I was just really bad to wake up. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I was mean. Like, you know, I just, I really, it takes me two hours to wake up every day. If I woke up and I immediately had to res- like, you know, respond knowing that the person waking me up is holding a camera. That would, I can't even imagine what that would do to my psyche. It's like a form of torture, honestly. Like, yeah. It's one of the things that you do in a cult is you take away people's sleep and you take away their protein and it grinds them down and makes them more susceptible to doing whatever the fuck you want because you're too exhausted to fight back. And so it's just like straight up psychological technique. I put a link, I don't know if you want to play this, but it's, it was linked to in the Vogue article, but it's a a person by the name of Cam who was part of a kind of like family vlog situation. I'm not sure about them. I don't know what their family was, but there's footage of them testifying in front of some official looking people about a bill called, it was like 1627, which would allow you as a, a person when you turned 18 to be able to have control of all of that footage of you as a child and and essentially erase it from the internet it's quite a powerful video so maybe we should yeah i do want to play that here for our remote testifiers we have cam barrett please 
Hi, um, are you are you able to hear and see me okay? We can. Um, first, I just want to thank you, Mr. Chair and ranking members of the committee for your time. My name is Kami, and I'm here to testify in support of House Bill 1627. Um, I just want to note that today is the first time that I've introduced myself with my legal name in three years because I'm terrified to share my name because the digital footprint I had no control over exists. I apologize. When you Google my name, simply just my first name, childhood photos of me in bikinis will pop up and I'm terrified to have those weaponized against me again. When I was nine years old, the intimate details of my first period were shared online. At 12, I received a DM from a man who I didn't know who saw me riding my bike and told me he followed me home. At 15, I was in a car accident in which the fire department had to come with the jaws of life to remove a car door off of my leg. Instead of a hand being offered to hold, a camera was shoved in my face. My first year in high school, I had a severe case of MRSA, which had me in and out of the hospital for three months, all of which was posted and over-exaggerated on social media. When I'd returned to school, my math teacher, who had seen my mother's posts, would taunt me and tell kids to stay away from the infected girl, which led to peer bullying, the decline of my mental health, and which inevitably led me to dropping out of school. Mr. Chairman and ranking members of the committee, I plead you to be the voice for this generation of children because I know firsthand what it's like to not have a choice in which a digital footprint you didn't create follows you around for the rest of your life with no option for it to be removed. I thank you for your time. And again, I'm open to any questions. Holy shit. Holy shit. I mean, this is what I will say about the kid that, oh my God, the kid that posted the reddit post was that they had said that like you know i believe one of the videos of them that went viral was them like bathing or something with their little sibling and like the parents finally came to the realization one day that pedophiles were watching this content and so they took it off they took it offline but I can't imagine what that does to your psyche. I And they also said in there that the money that their parents had put aside for their college funds, their sister wasn't allowed to have it because she didn't want to go to college. And so, like, there's not even a guarantee you'll get this money that they're holding. But wow. this is just, I'm horrified by this. Yeah. The, the math teacher making fun of a kid? Like, that's insane. Boundaries being crossed fucking left, right, and center. It's so, like, this is what I mean. Like, I, I truly think we're going to start to see a bit of an exodus of these young people because, you know, it was still kind of the early days of family blogging when these kids were quite small, and now they're coming of age. And I would be pissed off. If my whole childhood was kind of recorded like that, every painful moment, every difficult moment, you know, fucking Sikoni Jollies are back, you know, rinsing their young trans child for, for everything. And, oh. and I'm like, God, you know, as if the experience of transitioning wasn't hard enough, it's now documented for millions of people. And it, a video popped up on my FYP and I was like, I don't want to see this. Like this feels like a safeguarding issue. This doesn't feel pleasant to watch. And I know that there are probably, you know, there's, there is an argument for, hey, you know, 
we've got a child that's trans and so it's really reassuring to see that sort of represented but like there are other places and communities where that can happen in private where parents can kind of discuss and and find community that aren't open for the whole world to have to to see i'm horrified i'm i didn't realize that the sarconi jolies which is the worst fucking Again, the worst name I've ever heard. You hate it. <laughs> so, so not catchy. They, it's I. I didn't realize that they were back already mm-hmm. after. But this happens. People and this happens in every area of YouTube. People put on a big show about how they need a mental health break and the money's too good, though. Yeah, I mean, like I can't tell you how many times L Mills will come. Like in every single time L Mills comes back, it's like <laughs> where I've been. And then, like you know, they she recently did an article saying like why she is quitting for good, and that was like you know a properly written news piece with her or something. But it's a little, it's you know, that's always just sort of a thing that's like okay, see you soon. But that it's crazy that they, you know, they had logical reasons to shut the that account down that they explained and then now they're back do you know what's wild i'm just looking at the most recent videos do you know what the the most recent video title from them is i wouldn't know our daughter's first visit to a gender clinic Great. then 13 days ago trans daughter makeover and life update two weeks ago don't be mean to my daughter brackets because she's trans Three weeks ago, my trans daughter answering your questions. Like, (laughs) and I'm looking at the view count, right? And the video, like, kids had a bad idea, instant regret, 16,000 views. My daughter's first visit to a trans uh, gender clinic, 54,000 views. Anything where their trans daughter is mentioned, the views are higher than average. So my trans daughter answering your questions, 123,000 views versus new bedroom organization routine, family of six, 26,000. So 100,000 views when you put your trans daughter in the thumbnail. Like, how is this not going to have an intense, like, psychological effect? I don't know. Like, And also, how is this going to help? Like, whatever they think they're doing with this, I'm sure they've justified this mm-hmm. as... This is helpful. Like, you know, this is other people's need to see that it's like normal. And these kids, you know, uh, like, you know, there's it's not such a big deal or whatever. Like they probably have sat there and done like the mental gymnastics too. for sure. But you're already in danger if you're a vlog kid, as we just heard in that testimony, you know, some person, some fucking pervert followed her home when she was biking. But like, you know. You're at, you know, you're at more danger if you're a child vlogger. You're a more in more danger infinitely as like a trans person. Mm. And just the idea that, you know, and there's such entitlement with online stars where, you know, people just feel like they know them and it's right. so personal. And that is a little bit of the nature of the beast. But I'm just I'm horrified. I'm horrified that this happened i'm i'm just horrified like well even like jenna marbles hasn't even been online in so long and someone recently broke into her house i know and yeah she's been offline since 2020 since this time in 2020 so i just am this is 
this is horrific honestly i'm yeah i can't i can't believe you know i understand the impulse to want to share your kids online i i can't i really don't understand monetizing it to this level but the yeah i don't yeah i'm sad this makes me sad i know me too should we have a palate cleanser before we wrap up (laughs) yeah sucking dick and cock tatty westbrook (laughs) Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> I've put it in the bonus links. So. I would get sued by Brittany to make this worthwhile, so iconic it's so funny no you're right so funny (laughs) yeah i'm feeling inspired to spend a little bit i need to i have so much to do that this is obviously just so clearly a procrastination technique but i'm interested to go back and rewatch. oh yeah but that's maybe we should do you know we were gonna do a kind of a a few deep dives at some point this year i think maybe we should do a drama get in deep dive yeah and for sure. We have to watch Jake Paul as a psychopath. <laughs> mm. Dramageddon and McKamey Manor. But if you if you have any other thoughts, let us know on what we can yeah, kind of do we a deep would, dive on. We would love if you on our Patreon, you guys are we love our commenters on Patreon. You guys are such like tight knit little group obsessed with you. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to leave a comment on our Instagram with stories you'd like us to deep dive on. We'd be we'd be thrilled for the suggestions because, you know, you don't want to listen to us talk about things you don't you don't care about. <laughs> so, oh, can I just also acknowledge really quick? This is also in our bonus links, but this SVB bank thing, I, I'm going to be real with you. I don't understand it. And frankly, it just seems boring to look into. So I just didn't I haven't I haven't looked into it. So if you guys are thinking, you know, this sounds like a story we should cover. I'm going to cop to it. I don't care enough yet, but there is a bonus link about it, about how moms on Etsy are being affected, which is really the main angle I care about. Yeah, definitely. All right, you guys. This was a really fun episode. Cheese. The cheese thing is crazy. And (laughs) we'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Shawty that look like a Delta G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the vine Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the center Now watch it hit the flow Now rack it up huh? Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up huh? Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way. Thought was important, but I moved her right about the way. Delta cheese tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC. Low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like the tell her. Shout out Turbo Tax, tax refund. What's another? Like the quarterback at recess. No rush. And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. Why your shirt orange like a pump? Mama call me as we have college. Is. I said, bless
Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.